This podcast is dedicated to everybody who ever said, hey, you know what? You should be in radio. This podcast is also dedicated to my great-grandfather, Walter Mitchell, my grandfather, Robert Mitchell, and to my father, Rodney Mitchell, three incredible men. Welcome to 1-900-HUSTLE, the podcast. Let's get to it. This episode is part one of a series called The Three Gears to the Financial Success Machine. First of all, I want to say Eid Mubarak to my fellow Muslim brothers and sisters, for those of you who don't know I'm a Muslim. And last week, we celebrated the conclusion of what was probably the most unique and challenging for many of us month of Ramadan, of fasting. And for that, I would like to say Eid Mubarak to you all. And I'd also like to apologize to the listeners who were anticipating uh, the release of my first episode that was supposed to be last Tuesday. Basically, what happened was, and I know when you hear what happened was, you're thinking this is going to be good, right? Well, what happened was I had ordered some recording equipment and it didn't come in from Amazon. Uh, So basically... I tried to record the episode and it wasn't sounding right. So I decided to delay the publication of the podcast until I can get the proper recording equipment. So I really appreciate your guys' patience on that. I'd like to clarify something. Why am I doing this? I don't know about you, but I don't feel comfortable where I stand at the moment. The world has just entered into no man's land. Malls in my city are still for the most part closed. Restaurants are only doing takeout. Some of them have opened for dining at a reduced capacity. And those that can't adapt are still closed. Major department stores are closed. Major institutions are also closed. Some of them have people working at home. And by the way, how's that working out for you guys that are at home having to balance your work and your personal life in one space. If that's the situation that you're in, then I'm with you in that. And I want to uh, say shout out to you guys trying to make it happen. I guess what I'm trying to point to right now is that the future is uncertain. We are in uncharted territory. And a part of that future is your financial future. And although you may not know the future, You may have a forecast, just like the weather. How is your financial forecast looking? Is it sunny? Is it looking cold? Is there a storm coming? Or should you be preparing for a blizzard, a tornado, or a hurricane, or a tsunami, perhaps? In reality, nobody knows the future. And I've always felt that way. Many of you never had a plan and many of you still don't. I'm making this podcast for you. I don't know the future, but I learned a lot about forecasting. And I had a plan before this crisis struck and had fortunately started making steps in my strategy that allowed me to be in the position that I'm in at the moment. 
which is stability and security. Although I had to leave my job, my home is virtually untouched. And by that, I am able to rely on businesses that I started and investments that I've made in the past and continue to make. I'm not going to say that I'm where I want to be in terms of my financial success. But I can celebrate some small victories and leverage that to encourage me to keep going. Over the years, many of you have told me that I should be in radio. I should have a radio show. And others suggested that I should share my thoughts and ideas or do a seminar or write a book. This podcast is my way of showing you that I appreciate all of you believing in me even when I had doubts of myself. And it was your encouragement over the years that fuels me to do this. For that reason, I ask that you get in touch with me and stay in touch. Let me know what you think in the comments. Ask questions. You can even critique me. I'm here to listen even more than I am here to talk. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Umar Mitchell. If there's someone who you feel can benefit from following me or my podcast, please share the links, and you too can have a share in that benefit. Now about my forecasting methods. How was I able to do it? To be totally honest, and this is going to sound crazy, it's genetic. And no, I'm not one of the X-Men, and I don't mean that my family has some kind of supernatural powers. What I mean by that is that I come from the Mitchell family. To be more precise, I come from my father, Rodney Mitchell, who was the son of Robert Mitchell, who was the son of Walter Mitchell. And the legacy of my family in this country goes all the way back to Esau Mitchell. All of the men in my bloodline are extraordinary men, and that's why I dedicated this first episode to them. And I'm humbled to be at the far end of a branch of an amazing family tree. But my family didn't just pass down genes. My family also passed down golden advices and timeless principles. And it's from those advices and those principles that I was able to develop my forecasting method. And that I'm able to share with you the blueprint to this entire podcast. Like I stated earlier in this episode, this episode is part one of a series called The Three Gears to the Financial Success Machine, or you may call it The Basic Gears of the Money-Making Machine. You have a money-making machine. We all do. And if yours isn't producing the desired product, i.e. money, then I want you to evaluate and assess the gears and make sure they all function and that the teeth are in alignment. Your machine needs three gears to work. A money-making gear, a money-saving gear, and a money-growing gear. And they all have to work together. Once they do, they produce financial success. That's the product of your money machine.
Now the best part is that your machine can have multiple sets of these gears to increase and speed up your financial success, but they all require you to operate and maintain them. This episode focuses on the first gear, the money-making gear. You know, it wasn't always the case that I had a plan and that I was able to forecast or implement a lot of these advices. Uh, I guess maybe I was always able to, but uh, as a young man in my teens, I made a lot of very poor choices. And as a result of that, I ended up having to leave my high school early without graduating. And I was 17 years old at that time. And my father, he sat me down and he said to me, son, you've got a couple of choices. If you choose to go to college, because I could still go and get my GED at that time, you can choose to go to college, but you're going to have to go and your goal should be to at least get a master's degree or higher. And you're going to have to make your degree work for you. And if you don't, then you'll have to get some kind of certification to take yourself out of the general labor pool. You know, when, when you have a certification, you are no longer just a worker. You are a specific type of a worker. And this is another option that I had at that time. And then he said, if you don't do that, you're going to have to get a job, a good job with the government. And you're going to need to focus on feeding your retirement and you'll have the backing of a union, but you'll need to do your homework if you go that route. And so these are the, uh, these are the advices that my father had given to me at that time and this is this advice is what I'm calling the money-making gear I'm going to add one more to that from a conversation that I had with my grandfather after that and that is the path of entrepreneurship you know becoming a business owner or making investments things like that and so, you know, these are the four options that you have. These are the four gears. These are the four parts of that first gear. Okay. It can either be a college gear, a college driven gear, where you have went to school for your master's degree, or even lesser than that. You know, looking back, I understand and I definitely agree with what my father had said. Uh, it was very good advice. Like I said, this advice that he gave me became the foundation of my financial success. And he didn't know it, and I didn't even know it at the time. I don't even know if I was really listening to him, but I heard him, and I listened later. But me going to school and getting a master's degree, honestly, because of the situation that I was in and, and my mentality at the time, was it was a very difficult thing. So what I ended up doing actually is I went and took his second piece of advice. I left the state of Colorado. I left the environment that I was in because 
the environment that I was in was not fostering success for me at the time. And it's not the fault of the environment. It's my, it was my lack of ability to actually thrive in that environment. I hadn't adapted to my own environment. So I took myself out of the environment I was in when I was 17 years old and I went to Utah. There in Utah, I went to Job Corps. And any of you guys know what Job Corps is? Job Corps is essentially an opportunity for many of us. I was able to get my GED and I got a certification as a CNA. Then I returned back to Denver, Colorado after that. And as stubborn as I was, my pride was in my way. And I, I didn't start working immediately when I came back as a CNA. No, as a matter of fact, I ended up going a different route, which was my father's second advice. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, her parents had worked for the government, for the United States Air Force uh, and the United States Mint. And she had a great opportunity to work for the government as well. So she got me in. As I asked her, I said, can you get me in? And she got me in, her and her family. And I'm very appreciative to them to this day for that. It was a great opportunity. I worked for the United States Air Force Reserve. And I worked for the Chief of Education and Training during Operation Noble Eagle. And in that, I learned a lot about government work. And I could see that my father's advice was, was very precise and right on. It was a great opportunity if I chose to stay in that position. And it would have been something that I could have retired with and formed a great retirement. And unfortunately, again, I eliminated that option from my own poor choices and ended up not being able to work for the United States government. Uh, I lost my position. Basically, I was an underage guy being a knucklehead and, uh, you know, I got myself into some trouble, which uh, got back to work. Uh, didn't re, re, you know? Did not result in me going to jail or anything like that. You know, thankfully. But what it did do is it sort of spoiled my opportunities there, and I had to leave. So after I had left, I returned back to the advice of my father. I said, "What am I going to do now?" Now I started to actually listen because life started to really actually present itself to me. And at that point in time, I realized, hey, I have my certification, I have my GED, I'm young. And so I decided, you know, let me go to the, uh, to university, let me go to college. Now, I was a very poor student in high school, and I don't know what I was thinking, maybe it was just my own inner confidence and my own faith that I had in myself. Uh, but I was very ambitious when I went to college. I went to college at that time at Metro State in Denver for my undergrad, which was pre-med. My intention, following my father's advice, was to go to medical school and become a physician. The classes I was taking in the course of doing that were very challenging, and that by itself should not be a reason why somebody does not go to college. Because, yes, you're going to probably take some courses, if your degree has value, that are rather difficult. You might take 
organic chemistry. You might take statistics. You may take, you know, advanced uh, trig or physics and things like this. You're going to take these classes, and these classes are going to be a challenge. But that is what is distinguishing you as a candidate to go forward for grad school. And that should always be in your mind, that if you are going to or if you are or if you have taken this path, then you will know that what I'm saying is correct. That you in these classes are distinguishing yourself at those points in time and that's what gets you to advance in your degree so that you can get a great opportunity to go and get your master's or possibly your doctorate. As for me, in the middle of my uh, sophomore year, I ended up finding out that I was going to have a son at the time. And so I had to stop and I said, wow, I'm going to be a father. Now the, now the son is going to become a father. So what am I going to do? And I returned back to the advice of my father again. And I decided that what I needed to do was secure something that gave me financial stability that would afford for me to have a good lifestyle that I could uh, pay for my schooling and also support a family. And so I decided at that time to leave the uh, program I was in, my pre-med at uh, Metro State. And at that time, I decided to enter into a technical program for respiratory therapy to become a respiratory therapist. And I want to say shout out to all the respiratory therapists and rather to all of the medical professionals that are listening to this podcast. I know right now is a very crazy time and a lot of people do not know what a respiratory therapist is. But if you're watching the news and you've been seeing all of this talk about ventilators, the respiratory therapists are the specialists that have the specialization of operating those ventilators. And so they are very critical. We are very critical. And it's a very great career path for those of you who are thinking about maybe getting into a medical career path and don't know where to go. Uh, That's one great option, you know, for me. I chose it because it was a two-year course, so by the time I finish, uh, my son will not be very old. It's a short period of time. It gave me an associate's, and like my father said, it will give me a certification which will take me out of the rat race, per se. It still puts me in the general pool of respiratory therapists to compete within that group, but it took me out of the general mass as being a a worker, per se. And I don't mean to say that to insult anyone, but if you don't have a specialization, then you know, you're generally in a general pool of laborers. So I was fortunate enough to be able to complete my respiratory therapy. Uh, and actually it was my mother who told me all about respiratory therapists in the first place. So I have to give a shout out to my mother, of course. She's the most incredible woman in my life. Uh, I don't know why I'd be without my mother. Uh, but that can all be for a different episode to talk more about uh, my mother's uh, influence on me because it is very much to this day uh, an influence that my mother had on me to help lead me towards my financial success. So after I finished my exams 
and I took my boards. I became a respiratory therapist and I joined an incredible organization. I was hired on by the University of Colorado Hospital here in Denver, Colorado. And to be honest, it was my dream respiratory job. Uh, it's an incredible organization. It was an incredible department that I worked for. And the coworkers that I worked with were amazing people and the care team providers I learned a whole lot of things. I made a lot of very valuable relationships. And it was very difficult for me when I did have to recently uh, leave, uh, which, you know, may have a sequel. You know, there may be a part two to my experience there and my career with that amazing organization. So I'll leave that for the future. But when I got into my job, I... Uh, found out that you know this job had great benefits and from those benefits was that they would match our contributions for a 401k and so out the gate I started to uh, save for my 401k and I maxed out the amount that they would allow me to uh, invest so they take that money and they put it into a retirement account and that retirement accounts a 401k 403b and what they do is you know, it goes into mutual funds, basically, um, and you can choose your funds and things like that. Uh, but because of that, I started to notice I was putting a lot of money in and I started to actually researching retirement. And I found out that if I was really trying to plan to retire at the level of comfort that I was living or better, then I needed to and, I, and this is my advice to all of you, I needed to be saving and investing at least 15% of the money that I was making. So I had to up that amount from what I was able to do through the, the company and I had to make some other investments on the side. And I, that meant that I had to start to learn about the stock market. I had to start to learn about mutual funds. I had to start to learn about investment products in general in that area and that by itself is a whole series that I think should be covered and I plan to cover with you all as well because it is one of my money-making machines you know the money-making machine it has three gears you have to get the money save the money and grow the money so this is a part of your money saving and money growing strategies you can't get to uh, make a first gear with, with your investments if you don't have money to invest in the first place. So that means that you have to be able to save money and then have the opportunity to grow it by transferring it into a different set of assets because the money by itself just sits. But that, like I said, is an entire podcast, probably series, a group of series, and I should probably have of a few guests that I can think of that come to my mind that will come on for that. So basically at that point in time, I was working, I was very happily employed, taking care of my family, everything was good. Uh, and in the course of that time, I had been also making several attempts at starting businesses, like I said, uh, this is something that I've been doing since I was, you know, a 
a child. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm somebody who loves to start businesses. I'm somebody who loves to buy businesses and sell businesses. I like that. That's that's my thing. And so I was doing that during my entire career at University of Colorado Hospital. Some of it was successful. Some of it was not, uh, in my opinion. And basically, the end of that was I ended up finding an opportunity with a very close friend of mine to invest in a trucking company. And this was a very different type of investment. I've never started this type of business before. This business is very unique because it requires a lot of capital and it has different asset classes and stuff that that is going into the business itself. So uh, I was very intimidated at the same time inspired to go into this because the idea just the idea of trucking and the importance of the transportation uh, industry uh, and the value that it has to the entire world and every process you know if you have anything that has arrived to you it has arrived to you by some vehicle something has delivered that thing to you and I really wanted to be a part of that amazing process. You know, so I had a great opportunity to be a part of the healthcare process and now to be in the transportation industry as well really was a great opportunity. I had to take up on it. So I started uh, to invest and we started our business in December and January. We were operational and from the very first week, we were very fortunate as we say as Muslims, alhamdulillah, that we were and we have generally always been profitable, even when we had this challenge of the COVID-19, we made it through that storm. Uh, It was a blessing to the transportation industry in some ways, and in other ways, it was not. It was a trial in some other ways. But alhamdulillah, you know, we got out of it we made it out of it and we're now in a much better position actually than we were even before the the uh the entire uh the entire um uh covid crisis began so that is basically a catch up to where i'm at the only thing to add on is the aspect of the e-commerce company that i recently started that's something that is new uh, sort of more towards my roots of, you know, buying and selling. Um, I love to find a great bargain and extend that bargain to you. If I find a great offer and opportunity, I'm going to take it. And if I can give you a great offer, a great opportunity, then I'm very happy to do that. And if I can make my life finding great opportunities and sharing them, then that would be what I would want to be with my life. So my e-commerce company feeds right into that. And that's another big part about the money-making gear is that whatever it is that you do, you should be happy doing it. Don't do things just because you think it's a money-making gear. If you don't actually have a passion, then you're not going to be able to conceptualize that thing. And if you can't conceptualize it, then you are not going to solidify it. And if you can't solidify it, then you are not going to be able to benefit from it because it will never be established. 
So if you think that you're going to become the wolf of Wall Street tomorrow, and there's a lot of people out there that are doing that, you know, I know that there's a lot of people today that have started to invest in the wall in, in the stock market, and I think this is a great thing. But if your intentions is just to get rich and you don't really have a passion for understanding businesses and investment products and vehicles and understanding that market in that industry, then I think that you should probably take your money out now and do something that is going to be profitable for you and going to be pleasurable for you. Something that you're going to be happy doing. You know, there's a lot of different types of money making machines. Okay? There's a lot of different types of investments that you can make. Some people invest in, like we said, stocks. Some people invest in real estate. Some people invest in businesses. There's a lot of different ways that you can do this. I'll leave it at that. One last advice I'd like to give to you guys is don't quit your day job. And what do I mean by that? I mean, even if your dream is to be independent of your job, it's not going to happen overnight. And if you think that you're going to put in part-time hours to make and supplement for your current job earnings, this is completely incorrect and false. If you get into business, you are probably not going to make a profit in at least a year. And it's going to take you a lot of time and a lot of effort to match the amount of money that you are making, especially if you are, you know, quote unquote, in a successful industry. You know, you're, you're profiting more. You're in the in upper middle to upper class. In order for you to supplement for that, it's going to take a lot. So you can get started now. And you can get yourself to a point where you can wean yourself away from your job if that's your goal. But my advice to you is don't ever give up a revenue stream. If there's a stream that's feeding into another body of water, say for example, there's a very small stream that's running in your backyard, but that small stream runs into the gutter. But then that gutter runs down into a drain and that drain then feeds into a larger sewer drain that then feeds into a reservoir or you know some other body of water. The more streams that you can hold on to, the more you actually have. And the more that you can connect them, then it will gain a lot of momentum. And that will then result in having a river, you know. And that river will feed into an ocean. And that's the inspiration that I want to leave with you guys now, is that don't belittle whatever it is that you're doing. Don't listen to this episode and think, this guy's talking about this and talking about that. I can never do it. A lot of people ask me to do this podcast because I believe that they can do it and I've been encouraging them to do it and I've been advising them on how to do it and helping them and consulting them and I will continue to do that and I'll do that for you too. If you have questions about how to get money, how to save money, how to grow money, feel free to contact me and I would love to give you my time. And I mean that. I'm being very genuine. And no, I do not have a robot or an assistant who answers my 
phone or you know checks my emails and everything else that is something that I'm very hands-on about and something I would not ever want to hand over to somebody else so uh, I'll leave it at that I appreciate your time thank you very much for listening to the podcast next week we're going to go into greater depth about that first gear the money-making gear and we're going to get into details related to some of the advice that my grandfather then gave me I gave you the advice that my father gave me that I implemented that I'm living and I'm going to add on next week the advice that my grandfather Robert Mitchell who I was named after you know Umar is a name that I picked for I chose for myself but the name that I was given by my father is Robert Mitchell and so I'm going to share with you the advice that my grandfather Robert Mitchell gave to me that completed my money making machine that's the, the final piece of aspect that he gave me that helped me to get where I'm at that I think will help you as well if you already don't have it thank you very much and have a great week we'll talk to you next week